Hi everyone. Welcome to Real World Parenting, tips and scripts for parents on roads less traveled. I'm Dr. Laura Anderson, a child and family psychologist, and I'm glad you're here. As you settle in to listen, let me reassure you that you are in the right place. If you're a loving parent looking for answers and encouragement, and maybe even a chuckle amidst hard things. If you're a loving parent who's raising a child on a journey different from your own as a child, and are seeking a compass as you navigate uncharted waters. This is the place for you if you get the theory of parenting advice you keep hearing, but for the love of chocolate and curry and all other nearly perfect things, that theory never quite works as planned with your actual children. Finally, you are in exactly the right place if you're a therapist or clinician who works with kids, teens, and families. My intention is that these episodes will deepen your work and change lives. So in this intro, I get two to three minutes here to boil down 30 years of work in my psychology offices and my experience as a mom in the trenches and let you know what I'll offer with this podcast. I almost called it Lessons from Our Living Rooms or Couch Conversations because my offerings will be things I have learned and keep learning from the vantage point of both my living room couch and my therapy office couch. The aim of this podcast is to offer hope, support, wisdom, and experience in community, to provide clinicians a window into what our recommendations actually mean for real families in real life. We will talk all things kid and teen related and shine a spotlight on families navigating identities related to race, gender, and adoption. We will explore common child and adolescent mental health and wellness related topics. The hope is to leave you with a greater understanding of your child's needs and a, you got this, energy. Episodes will also feature actual practical tips and answers to questions including, well, what do I say when and what do I do when, so that you feel equipped to handle the day-to-day parenting puzzles we face. So pour yourself a cuppa or lace up some shoes or hide in your busy parent bathroom for a bit and join me for head and heart conversations about loving and living with children walking past less often traveled. Have I mentioned I'm glad you're here? I trust that you'll be glad. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. I am really glad you're here. And I'm glad to be here, too, for what promises to be an uncomfortable at times and not easy, but super valid conversation in the world of adoption and adoptive parenting. So I really want to give a warm welcome to Caitlin Moreau-Thibodeau, who's here um, to chat with me this week. Welcome, Caitlin. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Tell me a little bit. I always let people do their, their version of their bio. Like, how do you end up in this seat? What's the story of how you and I, you know, well, why do you talk about this stuff that we're going to talk about today? What's the story? Um, so... I am a licensed professional counselor in the state of Louisiana. Um, I am a mom through adoption. I'm a wife. Um, So there's, I mean, lots of layers. I, I work with anxiety and depression. So I see different things. Um, And also just, um, you know, learning about adoption, the good and the bad through being a parent through adoption. And I think that's why we're here. Yes, that's exactly why. And because it's such a complicated, we spoke, you know, just briefly at the beginning and it's stuff I talk about in my work that 
that and I, and I can only speak from the standpoint of an adoptive parent as well myself and for listening to adoptees right like if I if you really tune into them and obviously there's no one voice so there's lots of voices in the world I have to do all these like caveats but they're important they're important there are there is no singular adoptee experience or voice and it's really important for adoptive parents to listen to as many as, you know, as is reasonable and possible <laughs> to, yeah. to help us, you know, help inform us because it's adoption is such an amazing, you know, life changing, wonderful, hard, complicated, misunderstood, um, loaded topic that it's really important. I think that more and more of us as adoptive parents who have a lot of power in that triad, right? We, you know, for the, with the adoptee and the first birth family, we're in a, we're in a significant little spot that we sit. And the more we can get this right, the more, uh, you know, adoptees, uh, hopefully you know, adoptive families thrive. So tell, tell me a little bit, you, you mentioned quickly. So, so you, part of your in part of your business that you do the TikTok channels and Instagram stuff or is that like was tell me about how things went viral and people started responding to your story yeah okay so um uh, probably a couple weeks no more than probably I think my son was maybe 10 weeks old at the time I posted the video of um us meeting him for the first time it's a super special video to me, I, it makes me cry every time I watch it. <laughs> so I try not to watch it too much just to make, not make myself a mess. Um, but that went viral, which just like anyone that has a video that goes viral, you don't expect it. Um, I gained a good amount of following from that. Um, I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot about the true feelings of everyone yeah like you know like I had birth moms respond and say like I hope I saw one the other day I hope um this is how the adoptive parents of my child reacted when they saw mm. baby that I gave up um I, I've had people be really upset with it for good reason you know good reason like they are adopted and they have some wounds that are really painful. Um, I had people that are adopted that were so excited to see this and um, found peace and joy in it. Um, so it just kind of grew from there. <laughs> um, and the biggest thing that I learned from that going viral was you know, the perspective that no one wants to like acknowledge, I think as adoptive parents, sometimes we're looked at as the savior yeah. and I don't really feel like I'm the savior, you know, yeah. um, I feel so blessed and privileged that I'm able to like be AJ's mom, that his birth mom was so courageous and made an incredibly hard decision that is never easy for anyone. I just learned a lot from it. <laughs> and I've sat and I've talked with people that really had a bad experience 
um, with being adopted and hearing their stories and as painful as that was for me to hear. And it's still painful. It was important because, you know, I don't want to project anything on my son, like project how he may feel about his adoption because there's pieces of it that I would assume are going to be painful for him to learn at some point in his life. Um, that's his story to tell, but, um, it's good for me to, it's good for any adoptive parent to be aware that it's not all sunshine and rainbows and their birth parents and their story has layers that to live. I feel like a healthy life need to be like unpacked at some point. Right. Right. So. No. And I think that's, and it's it's how, and I, I keep, I was laughing. I keep meaning to be better with doing TikTok. I'm not, I'm not good about it, but tell me. So I don't know. And I probably should like how viral is viral. So how many followers did you have? And then where is it? I don't think I had, I don't think I had more than like, a hundred followers on TikTok and now I have close to 75,000. I had a decent amount on Instagram. So like some people followed me from uh, TikTok. Um, I kind of share a little bit more of my life on Instagram. It's a bit of a safer place for me. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so the video has, I think 16.8 million views at this point. And what, what do you think was the part, which responses were the, the most surprising or the hardest for you? Or were they the same? Like which, which part of the reactions to the video were Um, either most surprising or like the hardest to see and hear? That, um, he's going to have tons of trauma. Like that's what a lot of people like responded, um, you know, and he, he may, he will, he, I don't want to project that on him. Um, cause I don't know how he's going to respond. He's a baby still. Um, but yeah, like hearing that, um, and reading that and sitting with that was surprising and, sickening sometimes you know like some people were like you're you're posting your best day but his birth mom's worst day and it pro it, it was a hard day for her yeah it's like unfortunately for me it's and my husband it's a closed adoption because that's not really what we want but that's what she chose and we have to honor that and respect that. Um, and so, you know, like that's hard to accept and know that that's a possibility for her, you know, like that she was, that, that was one of her worst days. Right. And I think we don't do, it's such a, it's just such a hard thing. Like the, the common trope like the stories from a distance in adoption are again right oh these parents are doing such selfless things to Mm. give you know okay so we think of adoption as a win-win-win birth parent feels good about 
finding a, a home when for whatever circumstances in their life means they're unable um, to parent. And so they 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 can find some relief. Right. And then a child is welcomed into a family that is prepared and wanting uh, to parent and has resources for whatever those reasons are. And then people get to be parents. Right. So it's like it's a it's a win, right. win, win. And nobody's hurt. Yeah. <laughs> and that it's a solution to hurt. Right. That it's a solution to injustice or unfairness for the birth families that are struggling. Or, right. Yeah, nobody's hurt. That it's actually kind of a solution. And I hear, I hear, it's funny in my, in the counseling world and for a variety of reasons, uh, we talk about family and parenting and, you know, adolescents and they'll just say, oh, I'll just adopt. Oh, well, I'm just going to adopt. And inside every time somebody says that I have this clench where inside where I'm like, um, you know, it's not a solve. It, it isn't. And, and. And it's not an easy process and it is really distinct to then whether they're open or closed or closed and then open in this world of digital. Everybody can find everybody any way they want to, you know, kind of a thing like the concepts of open and closed can be fluid. Sometimes they're not. For some families, they start closed and stay closed. For some families, right, they start open and stay open. But there's a whole lot of versions of first family contact and adoptive and adoptee family contact. So I think in our broader culture, I mean, it's tricky, right? I find it to be tricky because we don't want the message to get out in, in such a way. And right. It's not my message. I'm not an adoptee. I'm an adoptive parent, but we don't want the message to sound like they're broken. They're broken. Adoptees are broken. You know, like that is not the message, but the message is it is really complicated and preparation and an understanding about attachment loss um, and then racial differences too. right. A lot of the reaction to adoption in my experience um, comes because there's so much historical connection to families of color being separated, um, families of color being unjustly um, over-responded to in child welfare situations, so kids are removed disproportionately. Like there, there are a lot of historical cultural reasons why it taps into a deep, deep nerve to see white parents portrayed as saviors of the kids of color, right? Like that just taps into really hard, awful parts of our past that quite frankly, a lot of people are moving toward wanting to, to just not ever talk about, right? We're seeing a lot of wars happening in our broader culture about, do we acknowledge this? Can we keep talking about it? How do we make sense of the harm that racial injustice has done? So, how how do you feel? And I don't mean to throw any. This is not broadly speaking. Are the adoptive parents that you meet being prepared mm-hmm. by by the agencies? Like, do you feel like there are hard conversations being had um, pre adoption, or do you feel like that people tried but it just didn't sink it? Like, how would you talk about the pre-adoption conversations you had or preparation that you had without asking right. you to call out any particular oh. entity or business or anything? My social, our social worker was incredible. She really, like, it was a very therapeutic process um, for us 
she talked about the hard stuff. She didn't sugarcoat it. She, we had to do trainings and like with those train, you know, those home visits, we talked about the difficult things. I think it's so hard to like be fully prepared. Like, I wish I would have, I wish I would have known about like different podcasts. I don't, I don't know how it would have, um, to learn about the different layers, you know, cause I didn't truly learn everything until us, like we were parents. Yeah. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, cause like we keep saying there's layers, you know, like we brought our hunt, our son home and I experienced sadness. Like I've never experienced sadness for him. Mm -hmm. I was so worried that he was missing his birth mom. I was so worried about her. I was, I just wanted to like hug her. I just wanted to make sure she was okay, but I couldn't, you know, and I didn't have answers to anything. Yeah. So I, I really just like had to like sit with that sadness. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so like, it was just, you know, it was so much at the beginning of like the first couple months like there were so many times where I was like, I need to just delete this TikTok because like it was very overwhelming. Now he's one years old and I'm so thankful I didn't because I learned so much from it. But so that must have compounded that, right? You're going through your own process and what started off initially, even though you knew that it was going to be hard and complicated you post this moment that is really personal and life-changing for you and then get blasted. Yeah. I, you know, like it was like a, a very, like there was so much positive feedback okay. and like, but, but you know, as humans, yes. we see the stuff first and it sticks with us the most. You sorted through the, the, the glowing comments and the positive comment. What stuck out to you was that people were having very strong reactions right. about that. And yeah, unforeseen. And that, so that just compounds the sadness, right? Cause you're like, well, we're in it now. I mean, there is a little bit of like, we're in it now and I'm glad I know this is hard and I'm glad I know people have responses. Do, do you find people are, are responding to your family in public? Do you find either through TikTok stuff or without the TikTok stuff, like just moving through the grocery store? Do you, yeah. I, when my, my son and I are very visibly an adoptive pairing, like there's, there isn't a way that you could even think that maybe his dad wasn't with me, was a man of color. Like he's very distinctly, um, has very distinct, distinctly different racial features. And so we were pretty obviously identifiable. Uh, and so, and I'm not sure, I think for different families, that's different. Sometimes folks assume there's a multiracial parenting, you know, situation involved, but what do you, what do you, what have the responses been as you've moved around in the world with an infant? It, I can tell, like people don't like express confusion, but I can, I can see it and that's okay. You know, like people are like, maybe he's mixed like I can just like see it by their like reaction because it's a lot of times just me and him yeah. you know like my husband's working and we're going to the grocery store just us two um everyone thinks he is the most beautiful baby in the whole world because I think he is, is. as well <laughs> yeah. and I can say that because I have nothing to do That's with what it I used to say I'm like 
I say I get no genetic credit, so I can say he's gorgeous. I, yeah, I can say he's the cutest baby in the whole world. I have nothing to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> but like people are like somebody came up to us in a restaurant and they were like, where does he get his dark curls from? You know, like, and that's okay. You know, people can be curious and we can, we can share that he probably got it from his mom or his dad. We don't know. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it right. wasn't. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it hasn't been in public. No, no real negative. Um, just curious maybe, but he's so cute. Like people are just distracted by that. <laughs> Cause it's interesting. Like my, my child is a teenager now and infancy was people really in different places and spaces. People really responded the overwhelming majority of people either didn't respond or yes, talked about how cute he was. But I, yeah. but I definitely also had a theme of like, Oh, you're doing God's work. Oh, you're yeah. Like that. So he, the lucky, he's so lucky. He's so lucky. He's so lucky. Yeah, a lot of people tell me that. I'm like, you have no idea. Yeah, right. <laughs> like not, who's the lucky one here? The lucky one. <laughs> Seriously. And I do. And I did start saying that. I'm like, actually I'm the lucky one, you know? And then it's changed as he's got, gotten older people make less comments thankfully i guess because they're aware that he's tracking more however um yeah or there there used to be a little bit of commodity stuff too people would do like oh i want one or you know black and brown babies are always the cute you know from from other white people or whatever and i was like oh i don't Oh, you know, like, so yeah, I sort of found that we together were a, like a Rorschach or a projective test for the whole world. Like you really, and, and in some ways that video, as you said, really was right. Like you, it, the content was the content and, and yeah. yet the human experience and your positionality to adoption is such that there's such starkly different responses and I think it's really hard. And this is one of the things that I think it takes as an adoptive parent is it's weird, right? We want you to tune in and hear the noise. We want you to know that there's noise. We want you to know adoptees are, are, you know, screaming, shouting, telling, writing, thankfully more and more about their experience. So we want you to tune into the noise and get it. So you parent mindfully around loss and cultural connection and racial mentoring, et cetera, et cetera. But you also need to have times where you quiet it again and, mm -hmm. and you block it out and you're just mom wiping up spit, <laughs> you know, like I was too like head first into like the negative. I, I don't want to call it negative right. comments because it's not, it's, it's their experience, you know? Um, it made me second guess everything I did. And, you know, like, that's not what's best for me and my son and my husband, you know, like, that's not, that's not what's best for AJ. Yeah. I need to be present. I need to be aware of things, but I need to be present with him and, and just have fun. Yeah. I think, cause what happens is what I see and what I notice in myself, this was my experience is that if you're not aware that those feelings are valid, right? That it isn't, oh, people with an ax to grind. It's not a negative. It's like, no, this is a genuine scope of, of real experiences for folks who've lived firsthand what adoption meant or what transracial adoption meant. So what it meant to navigate 
a racial cultural identity when you're raised in a white home but aren't read in the world as white when you start moving around in it, right? What's tricky is if you don't recognize that there are there are real reasons why people have had these reactions. There are things historically adoptive families and parents have not done for adoptees and have done to adoptees that aren't serving uh, kids and and families well in the long run, right? So we need to be able to hear folks' response to that and then do do the best we can, although we're still going to make mistakes because it's, because it's such a complicated setup for everybody already, right? What were some of the... When you when you look through the strongest reactions to your family, what was valuable? What could you take away into a tip? And I'm I'm, I'm not just because we're on a podcast and I'm trying to, but like, what was the useful part of the reflection? Do you think? Hmm. I don't know. I just always go back to like that. There's bits and pieces of being adopted that are both painful and beautiful you know like that it's a mixture it's not all it's typically not all bad not all good right just like you know like being aware of that and and being when I like to think about it too being aware of that meaning so some of the stuff that I wish I mean, again, there's no, I'm not like the all, you know, expert from up high on the mountaintop. I make my mistakes every day as your mom and even as an adoptive parent in particular. But like some mindfulness to the fact that you can't make everything a celebration, right? Like, so if, if you're like, okay, what are the takeaways of this? Like recognizing that adoption is hard and layered, number one. Number two, finding adoptees, finding adoptee podcasts, reading books written out. Angela Tucker has a great one. You should be grateful that she's um, putting out now. She's awesome. Uh, she does the adopted life as a and does a lot of interviews with teens and kids. And because there's also a very real developmental piece to this, right? Like an eight year old response and handling of the tricky stuff is different than an 18 year old, 28 year old, 48 year old, um, you know, that kind of stuff. So so listen to adoptive voices. Um, uh, and th- those are huge. Not make everything celebrational. Not, mm-hmm. I mean, just, it's, we know this as counselors and therapists, you're making friends with your sad feelings too, <laughs> right? Like I talk to kids about that, like, like you got it. That's a part of, that's a part of like, so making room when you're feeling sad, when you're sad about it, handling the complexity of what it means to wonder how a birth first family is feeling or to watch a child do something and think, I wonder where that comes from. And to maybe right. even have some sadness sometimes that 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 there isn't. You're not watching your own mannerisms, you know, sometimes. You know, sometimes you very sadly, unfortunately, see yourself clearly in your kid when they're doing yeah. something. But you know what I mean? Like, there's, I remember, I distinctly remember on my kid's first birthday party in Hawaii where we were, it's a big deal, and you have, you know, music and whatever. And I remember watching and thinking, I, you know, I need to take some really great pictures. And I'm going to share these with his mom. I'm like, but you're his mom. But his mom might want to see these pictures. Like, and thinking to myself, like, my friends and and folks that I know who are parenting biologically related 
related children don't understand what what that duality feels like and again the weightedness of it and i wouldn't trade it for the world but there's that's hard (laughs) so like if you're an adoptive parent making space for the parts of this stuff that find community find other adoptive parents who who can you know help talk about what worked when they were in their hard parts about it what worked what helped them feel better because i think what happens is if you're aware of the really strong feelings around adoption sometimes adoptive families as humans we avoid discomfort like we'll steer away from those i definitely found myself at times trying to like just avoid thinking about like the painful because it was so overwhelming yeah and i'm so glad i'm at the point where i can sit with it more and it not ruin my whole day <laughs> <laughs> yes and ruin your whole experience of being a family and a parent and 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 it, right so that's the that is where the magic is like how do we recognize it incorporate it respond to it build our own ability to to handle what may be hard for our kid but then still show up hold our heads up you know recognize it we're humbled we're learning you have to have humility in this journey because otherwise you're going to stay away from adoptees with with um strong reactions to adoption and you're going to stay away from the racial mirroring communities of your child if that's part of where the feedback is coming from right and this is what i've seen in the world of transracial adoption because because it's hard (laughs) and because there are legitimate reasons that some adoptees and some whole communities of color have really strong reactions to um this as a solution for for a number of things and so and you and we'll start to avoid them and and i think this is a really clear invitation to adoptive parents that that doesn't it doesn't serve our kids so we have to develop the chops to be able to um find support for for the sadness the hardness you know learn grow listen so that we don't avoid the the very elements that will inform us most to show up Um, right something that was really interesting for me is like how the latino like community respond like they've all i've seen is like positive except for there's been a couple comments here and there where it's like i couldn't imagine my kid being raised by a white family but like locally Mm. it's been it's been beautiful and like I'm like being able to set up play dates with people that speak Spanish, you know, like the, yeah. and we're learning Spanish and just like, I don't want my own insecurities of like whatever to get in the way of him being able to experience people like him. Yep. No, yeah. I think that's exactly what we're, and, and some days that would be, in my experience, I found some days that was easier than, than others like some days it stung more when people made comments certainly over the scope of my child's life and I've talked about this and other things this this is all awkward to talk about but like when 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 white people said racially loaded things or had a reaction to our family about how my kid was going to be and my son is black and and from the time and he's tiny he was tiny as a baby and he'd be on the ergo sack with me you know in the front in front of my belly like tiny and people were talking more than two or three people mentioned that i would get to retire no that i would get to retire early because 
my son was going to be a famous NBA player who bought me a house. <laughs> I'm like, uh, like weird, weird stuff like that. Right. And when, when people said stuff like that, I could, I would respond, not always pleasantly, <laughs> but making the point, like, you know, that's an interesting set of assumptions you've just made there on so many levels, but also the, the, just that they're, when white people are saying that stuff, I'd be like, that's ignorance. I mean, that is ignorance and it is racially loaded and it is blech. And I don't, I really want to kind of distance myself from people who are going to wear these racially loaded ideas on my son. Right. When black folks who, who my son needs to learn from or, you know, be comfortable with would, would make really, strong comments about their opposition to transracial adoption or I had multiple situations as my child got older where people just, you know, would straight out say that's why they shouldn't be raising our kids and stuff in public pretty, pretty loudly. And, and that landed differently. It was, it was, it was harder. It was harder for me than just being able to say, oh, white people, we've been so impacted by this racism system, like yuck, back away. And yet when black and brown folks were bringing the complexity of like, you may not know what you're doing there, lady, or you're in way over your head, chica, you know, kind of a thing. And I was like, uh, that stung more. It stung more. It was more, it, it did, it whacked me in the knees a little bit harder and and if I hadn't been willing to sit and be sad and and recognize that I just would have steered away I would have stayed you know I would have stayed out in the areas where uh I wasn't faced with those comments and where people would say goofy novelty things but 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 easier stuff to deal with than the harshness of of some of that and so I, I really just want to keep inviting adoptive parents. So again, some days are easier than others, but to, to, we have to do the work. We have to be the ones who are uncomfortable. So it's not our kids <laughs> who end up bearing all that on their own. Cause that's when folks were giving the feedback, when adoptees were responding or saying they had traumatic experiences, did, other than, I mean, what you've said already was very loud and clear about the birth parents' worst day. What what other kinds of, how were they talking about their trauma in the comments that you got? Were, were they saying it was a loss? I, I mean, what what was the theme in what folks were, were wanting uh, to know or responding to? One was, he's going to have brain damage, like, this is traumatic. Um, like, things in in that realm yeah. um telling like saying that i'm selfish you know like because yeah okay so we had fertility issues and um i we did not step into adoption because we could not have our own yeah. like or like have a successful pregnancy it is part of it but it's not why yep. and i think like if we would have made that decision because we couldn't get pregnant that I would have carried that into, you know, like being a parent, like that's one thing that one of the adoptees that I talked to, she was like, my adopt adopted mom, like really projected her fertility issues on me. And I'm like, Whoa, okay. Okay. 
Like I did the work before we adopted him, but I need to continue to just to make sure, you know, like I don't want that ever to be an issue for him, like in any way, you know? And that's something that's not talked a lot about either, right? That they're, that they're, from what I see and hear and in the work that I do, the assumption that if people are adoptive parents, and they don't have other kids already or whatever, whatever, for any number of reasons that there is a, that it is, that there's a selfishness as a result mm-hmm. of um, being unable and then carrying that sense of, I am broken as an, as a, as a human, uh, either a, a mother or a father or whatever. And you're carrying that into like, this was my, my second choice. And there are a lot of adoptive voices out there who say like this, this is my plan B. Um, and, and that, and in reality, there are families who look to adoption after <laughs> lots of infertility and, and you need to do the work. That's another example of whatever grief, whatever loss work you have around that, whatever, you know, are there inklings sometimes when you know to, you know, like, sure, but you have got to be able to do your work so that your adoptive kid does not feel like plan B all the time. Yeah. That's a hard yeah, spot to sure. be. Yeah, he is... It- like he being his mom is the most incredible thing you know like my hope and prayer is that he i really don't think he will ever feel like plan b because he never was plan b (laughs) he was you know like he was always plan a he's he's like he's perfect in my my eyes you know like i just feel so blessed and privileged that I'm, i'm able to like that I'm able to be his mom, that I'm able to watch him grow, that I'm able to carry the pain with him, you know, listen to him. Um, yeah. Whatever that may look like, whatever that may be, I want the good and the bad, you know? Yeah, and I was going to say, like, this is the this is the work. And as therapists and counselors, we know it too, right? It is. It is the the good with the bad, that we we get ourselves in trouble when we only focus on the loss but we also get ourselves in trouble and the more common mistake is this is perfect this is great everybody's happy nothing to see here win 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 you know like and the truth is somewhere in the middle and that our kids need us to be able to do both they need us to be able to celebrate being a family they need us to be able to love being mom and dad they need us to be able to figure out when to put our chins up and just keep moving and and they do need us also to model for them that parts of this are hard and and right like there are conversations we're not looking forward to having and there are realities that are going to be tricky for them to navigate and um and that's what they need us to do is to sit with both if you don't go if you don't make space for the yucky stuff you don't get the yummy stuff (laughs) Right. <laughs> right. Like right. you don't. And if you just are forcing the yum when it when when there's a lot of layers, because that's what we hear a lot from adoptees yeah. is like nobody was talking about the reality that that I had lost a ton um, as a human that that I had was wrestling with what it meant to not, you know, not be 
be kept by my original family and what it meant. And I know there's complicated reasons, but that can be heavy. And nobody's talking about racially what it's like. There's no answer sometimes yep. to like the painful questions. Yeah. What's your child? Tell me, we're going to, we're going to wrap up. Tell me something. What do you, what does he love? What's he into these days? When are you getting to see him light up and have fun? <laughs> So we just bought a couple months ago, 11 acres, and he has his own little tractor that we ride. <laughs> He's obsessed with tractors right now and riding on the four wheeler, you know, just all the, all the boy things. He is just like head, like the balls. Like I taught him how to slam dunk in his, um, <laughs> basketball goal so we go in his room and we slam dunk all the time um it's so much fun to watch him like learn what he likes yeah. you know like we watch a lot of miss rachel <laughs> miss rachel i am at past the age of parenting for miss rachel but i know about miss oh, rachel <laughs> yeah if you don't know about miss rachel you're living under a rock at this point everybody knows about her she, yeah he, obsessed with miss rachel oh. loves to climb steps he we have stairs at our house and like stairs going up to our house he loves to climb them he loves to feed the dogs he'll open the thing and take some and throw it on the ground <laughs> sweet easy yes yeah i love to yeah and just that's such a great age of discovery and i really thank you for coming in today and i appreciate um just your it's not an easy path to walk and putting out there in terms of the vulnerability of just saying like it, it was hard and I was sad and it was beautiful right again I don't mean to say that all of a sudden this gray curtain dropped and everything was evil and awful but the reality of how complicated this stuff is and so yeah for folks to be able to just find community listen look up adoptee podcasts look up adoptee books go and listen to book talks that come through your area um like find find your folks and and you've got to not avoid the hard parts so there's room yeah. when the awesome parts make their way yeah. in that's important to serve your child the best way yeah. that in my opinion yeah oh definitely being able to do both so many of us just adoption or not struggle with how to sit with the good and the bad and adoption just holds our feet to the fire <laughs> about that stuff we yeah we're given really intense life lessons about how to navigate um absolute wonder with with some some tricky stuff too so thank you so much caitlin and i'm glad that you're that you're out there doing the work and and holding prompting people to have these conversations because they're really important so thank you so much for joining me today so much take care all right. Well, thanks for listening today. Just a quick note here at the end to say I am so glad you joined and I hope you are too. And if you'd like to connect with me more, come take a look at my website, www.drlaraanderson.com. There you can join my newsletter, keep in touch and find out what is in the works. You can also join me for coffee and conversation uh, and Facebook at Common Cord Psychology Services. So check me out those places and I look forward to further connection. I'm glad you were here today.